2: All right, I am back from Las Vegas. One John Hollinger remains there on one of the hottest days in Vegas history. Is that what we're looking at right now?
3: I think it's going to be even hotter tomorrow, actually. And it, yeah, it's kind of wild that the arena is now freezing, though, because only the true degenerates are left. So there's, there's, you know, they have the air conditioning like jacked up as though there's still going to be fifteen thousand people or whatever, and there's totally not. So yeah, so it's it's freezing in the arena, oddly enough. So
2: I, I assume you didn't pull a Dan Feldman And walk from the hotel to the arena today?
3: Uh, no The the fact that I'm alive for this podcast Is proof of that
2: <laughs> I mean it's such a scenic walk though Past all those abandoned lots And uh, you know <laughs> I actually, 50 cent blackjack <laughs>
3: casinos. Yeah I actually have gone running from like the uh, the Strip to uh, to You know the campus and Thomas and Mac and stuff And back um, But uh, at like you have to do it at like like right at the crack of dawn like if you go even one hour later it'll be too hot and you'll fry on the sidewalk and they'll scrape you up Um but
2: yeah I, I mean anyway. I've seen the crack of dawn in Vegas before it, it wasn't uh, after I had been to bed and woke up though <laughs> So that that was many, many moons ago for me now. Yeah. All right. So we want to catch up here. It's been when we last recorded, I think it was about 10 days ago, and we had most of free agency in the rearview mirror. And there's been a few things since then, like the Grant Williams sign and trade, a couple of other smaller things. But I, I think we're pretty much able to take stock now. We're not really going to talk. Trades too much, we still have Lillard and Harden and possibly Pascal Siakam to resolve themselves uh, in some form or fashion here. But I want to just go through and talk about uh, the offseason and how it maybe differed from expectations and uh, go through some of the categories uh, as we like to do here. So let's uh, begin with this. What is the best contract that was handed out in this free agency
3: uh, it's pretty shocking to say this team's name in reference to a, uh, to a good like, free agent decision. Uh, Austin Reeves with the Lakers. I mean, that's, I, think, I think that's the winner-winner chicken dinner right there. I mean, the fact that they didn't get pressed, A, by another team's offer sheet to do, uh, to do the max contract, the arenas rule contract, which would have cost them a lot more in the out years but the fact that they still got him on a 4 year deal and they didn't even they didn't even present the lakers with a short offer sheet you know they um, the 2 plus 1 which is another thing that could have been done by another team and th- the fact that the lakers got him for the 4 years on that number i thought that was a total win for them
2: it absolutely was how much credit do you think they deserve for that
3: yeah, well <sighs> That's, I mean, that's one of the tricky things with free agency. had a lot, on a lot of these, it's not like, oh, well, our, you know, our value model, you know, picked out this this guy, and um, so it wasn't, it wasn't like a surprise, I guess. But just the fact, I mean, I give them credit for so blatantly, uh, not, I don't know, if blatantly is the right word, but because they telegraphed that they would match no matter what. I think teams were dissuaded from even doing that max deal and just didn't even want to waste their time.
2: Yeah, I would say that that's uh, really where they deserve some credit. uh, Of course, the uh, Players Association got the league to tell all these teams, hey, you cannot publicly say, we're going to match, we're going to match any offer and chill the market that way. But the Lakers uh, really pushed hard to leak in the media over and over and over again. Yep. We're going to match any offer. We're going to match any offer. And and given some of their uh, cheapness in prior years, see Alex Caruso in a similar situation. Yes. Uh, uh, although he was uh, unrestricted in the end. But I think that was necessary. There may have been a team that uh, could have felt like, hey, maybe we could, we could poach this guy. Uh, and I think... Had he not been Arena Slender, right? If they could have just given a, a, a new team, could have given him just a four year, $25 million deal and the Lakers could have been forced to pay $25 million in that first year. Maybe they could have blanched at that, but yeah, I thought the Lakers did a good job of telegraphing that they were going to match, and I mean, it certainly would have been a bitter pill to swallow to have his salary go up to well over $30 million in the last two years of that deal, and it wouldn't have been the case necessarily on the, if it had been uh, on the new team's books, because if they had the salary cap space to make that deal, they could spread it out, whereas the Lakers, because they didn't have the space, they would have had to uh, do that weird structure where it's basically the mid-level for the first two years. Um, I think also... Compare this situation to DeAndre Ayton's last year, where he was able to get an offer sheet. We've seen guys get offer sheets that were kind of inevitably going to get matched. Austin Reeves' agent uh, is Aaron Riley, who doesn't really have any other client of consequence in the league right now. Uh, Jake LaRapia is the only one uh, who, who's in the league
3: right now, and uh, they just put con right right, 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 now. Like, right now. Right. So this is Wednesday at 6.10 p.m., to be clear. Yeah. So uh, and so, he didn't
2: have the juice to kind of get some other team to just do this as a favor, and also restricted free agents get screwed because free agency is you can move the the uh, match time up, but free agency is done. You know, five days before actual free yeah. agency begins, and so no team actually really had effective cap space remaining other than maybe the Spurs.
3: Yeah, and I mean, so to the Lakers' credit. I mean, Austin Reeves wanted to stay there, I think, whereas Ayton was a little bit of a different vibe, right? So he had more incentive to kind of let it drag out, play the market, see what happened. That, you know, that went much later into the summer. I mean, Reeves had, Reeves had already re-signed with the Lakers by the time. By the time anyone could have even presented an offer sheet. Well,
2: technically, he can sign it, but the match clock wouldn't have started until July 6th. So there's no reason to do that. But just, just for CPA dorks out there, uh, you can now actually sign an offer during the moratorium. It just the, the clock doesn't start ticking until after the moratorium is over, so there's no reason to do it. But uh, I mean, would you have considered—I mean, was this bad enough that you would have considered either— a taking the qualifying offer, which would have been rough because he didn't even make the starter criteria somehow. Or B really pushing hard for like a compromise, like a one plus one where he could get back out on the market again, but as a restricted free agent, but not be Arenas Limited next year. Uh you know, maybe the Lakers just had no reason to do that. But what do you think of either of those ideas?
3: I think if the Lakers had been up against a bigger tax uh, problem i think that one plus one might have been tempting for them but because they weren't it was just like yeah we're fine giving them 12 like we'll you know we'll be fine so oh you're thinking even a one plus one at less than the most they could do uh yeah yeah i just don't know if you're the lakers because because an offer sheet um you know because the offer sheet has to be for two at least like it, the one plus one is like we, we don't have to do that. I mean, you, yeah. you got. I mean, the idea being
2: that. that he still would be restricted though again next year, and they could still kind of get him on a longer term deal. But yeah, I mean, I guess they really would. That would have been a tough negotiation. They may have just had no reason to agree to that. And they, you know, they at least acknowledge like, okay, we'll give him the three plus one. We'll give him the trade bonus. You know, all yeah. these bells and whistles to at least kind of make him feel like they got a win, even though they they got crushed and they did. Yeah. Um. You know, this is really interesting to me as. I went through this. There are a lot of contracts that I liked, which is odd because it seemed like a lot of teams had space, a lot of teams had the mid-level. There weren't that many free agents out there, and yet somehow I didn't think there were that many like terrible contracts given out. I found it much easier to find bargains than. To I agree. find uh, a, a really terrible contracts.
3: Yeah, I I agree with that.
2: Um, but if I had to pick just one, I mean, there's a bunch of these minimum ones out there, right? There's your Josh Richardson, one plus one with the Heat. There's Eric Gordon, one plus one. Malik Beasley on a straight minimum. And Jay Crowder, too. I mean, as badly as Jay Crowder played at times with the Bucs, getting him on just a one-year minimum is a pretty big win for a guy who I think could still at least be in your rotation. yeah. Uh, exactly. You know, you got Russell Westbrook. I mean, if he plays the way he played for the Clippers last year, a one plus one at 120% of the minimum is very good there. Uh, I thought Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker at the minimum with the Nets is very good. But yeah. if we're going to go outside the minimum realm,
3: uh-huh.
2: Nikhil Alexander Walker on a two year deal for $9 million. That was, was pretty good, good for a guy. That he was, was pretty in their good. rotation,
3: yeah. and they didn't give him a qualifying offer. And it's I think, what happened is they didn't give him a qualifying offer because they already had the deal negotiated. Uh, not that I've ever been in that situation, but I've heard of other people who have, um, who uh, <laughs>
0: uh,
3: uh, you know, basically had it locked in by June thirtieth, and so they're like, okay, we're not going to do the qualifying offer because we already have the deal and we trust the agent.
2: Yeah. Um- Any others that you think deserve mention?
3: Uh, Well, some of them we're going to get into as we discuss some of these other categories. Um, I mean, there were some very good contracts further down the food chain. Uh, I liked the Max Strew deal in Cleveland, like combination of contract and fit. I thought, yeah, uh, yeah. sorry, Brooklyn got pretty good value on Cameron Johnson. I think that deal ended up being for less money than originally reported. You don't say. I mean that was a good contract,
2: right? Uh yeah, I think so. I I thought it could get a little uglier and the Pistons seemed like they, they were rumored and instead they just traded for Joe Harris <laughs> instead <laughs> right. into that cats space, presumably knowing that uh, Johnson was done uh, already at that time, even though the Harris it was uh, reported first. Um let's see. Yeah, what So uh, let's move on to worst contract though.
3: Okay. So I'm gonna set aside Jeremy Grant because we talked about him pretty extensively last time. And but, but he he would be your pick just for the record. So there are actually, as I look this over, there was one that I definitely thought was worse, and there's one that might turn out to be worse. Uh, that I, so I want to talk about both of these. So my worst contract. It's tough because it's it's not. It's not a huge contract, so it may end up not mattering. But man, like Reggie Jackson, like what was that?
2: Um, You know, I, I asked around about that a little bit. And the phrase that I was given was, come on, Nate, you know how these things work.
3: In other words, quid pro quo for signing the buyout last year.
2: That's how I took that. Yes. And, yeah. and that's kind of how I had speculated as well. It was I mean, if you recall back then, it was like, "Oh, Reggie Jackson, like this guy was like a hero in the playoffs the last couple of years. Like amazing job by Denver getting him."
3: Kind of an eye Yeah, an eyebrow-raising buyout guy for that market.
2: Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Now, I think he, he has ties to that area too, I believe. As well. So and I do think like during the regular season, like he could be better than he was obviously in the playoffs. He didn't play and they had a a great eight man rotation. So maybe you can say, well, the fact that he didn't play, that's not the death knell for him as like far as him actually being effective.
3: What, what, about uh, I mean, him? I
2: think, what about him not yeah. being good in three years? Like, I mean, since the 21 playoffs, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and even that was, was quite an outlier, too. Uh, but, I, I mean, the reality, though, is that the point guard market was awful this year. And
3: it, so, it wasn't good, but, like, Corey Josephs was a better player last year than, than Reggie Jackson, right? I don't know. <laughs> Do I really
2: have to pick one?
0: <laughs>
2: um yeah and also getting the one plus one i I mean i think there was and now also keep in mind if there was kind of a pay it forward scenario going on here the nuggets didn't know that there was gonna you're gonna be hard capped by using the tax mid level either at that time and it doesn't look as bad to me now that we know that jeff green got like you know what was it nine million or something like it out of houston's cap space like there's just no way that denver like if you were running denver and jeff green got that offer yeah they had early bird rights that could have paid it, but given their tax situation, you'd be like, no, we'll take our chances with Peyton Watson and Vlatko Chanchar and Zeke Nagy, right, rather than paying Jeff Green $9 million.
3: Uh Yeah, that, I was totally fine with that, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, now, you know, with, with Jeff, I think it's quite possible that Vlatko Chanchar is, like, a better player than him and maybe even a better defender than him, but Jeff Green just looks like he'd be good defensively. Uh, not that you would have any direct knowledge of this at all, uh, but... Uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about <laughs>
2: uh but he uh but like just because of that though he doesn't just like get isolated and get attacked whereas uh vladko chanchar you know he might I'm not sure why that could be but uh
3: so no I mean jeff jeff uh, like his weakness isn't on the ball either like his when right, he right. when he when he you know hurts you on defense is when he loses track off the ball and the guy backdoors him yeah, and, and I'll give. I mean, I, I agree
2: with you, right? Like, you just overall, I think, you know, Denver, when you looked at it, they looked like they could be a loser, but they have some outs among these young guys, the guys they drafted. You know, your Peyton Watson, Chanchar, I think it's like a six year bet now, <laughs> amazingly. But again, I've, I, I think he's could be a rotation player uh, and has looked good at times. So. I do think, you know, if you're a good organization, you got to kind of trust that a little bit rather than paying $9 million for Jeff Green. Uh, now, you could maybe say the same thing about Reggie Jackson, but, you know, I guess they thought he would be better than he was. So so we'll see. I mean, it, like, it could all work out fine. I'm just a little queasy about, like, man, we don't necessarily have that reliable guy. And now we can't get a buyout guy either because we're over the first apron. Uh, yeah, I mean, the that's down. the...
3: The the best the best thing that can be said about uh, Reggie at five million is that it's five million to be in a trade.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, except there's one problem: he's uh, could block a trade because he's got the player option wow
3: yeah yeah okay great deal uh, although
2: may, maybe uh may, maybe maybe they, maybe I mean, they got the document
3: signed. it just hasn't been reported it's possible i guess
2: yeah maybe just people didn't look into that the way they did uh uh with russell because that was obviously the first thing we all of us or were talking about so so we'll see on denver i mean i i definitely am a little queasy but like Knowing what Jeff Green ended up getting makes me feel a little better about their their off season. and you know we'll, we'll see. I, like Peyton Watson looked good in summer league, and uh, you know Calvin Booth, his philosophy is. We're gonna find guys. I mean, they are very locked in on certain guys in the draft. Everyone was talking about in Vegas, like okay, it was done between you know, like Jalen Pickett and them, like that was just gonna happen. So his philosophy is, I want to get guys in that I feel like are gonna fit with what we're trying to do, uh, and that can have the type of body to defend in the playoffs. And so we'll see if that philosophy ends up uh, working out.
3: While while we're here, uh, how surprised were you by that Justin Holiday signing? I mean,
2: I think when you compare it to some of these other minimum guys who are signing, it doesn't look great.
3: Yeah, especially compared to Phoenix, who is the team they could very well be facing in the conference finals. Yeah,
2: Now, Phoenix has more minutes to offer, and Phoenix, you know, KD is a big recruiter. I'm guessing Jokic isn't like, you know, wait, wait, wait. Guys wait, wait, wait.
3: They, so they have a little bit more minutes to offer, but like if you come there and you're a wing and you have a pulse, you have a really good chance of playing a lot. If if you, you just looked at Denver? the situation, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, to me, I, and you'll be, like, in the playoffs and, you know, maybe it turns into the Bruce Brown special.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, they also may not have been offering one plus ones like Phoenix was due to the, the tax situation. Uh, and, I mean, like, I don't think Nikola Jokic is, like, you know, blasting guys' cell phones trying to get him to come there from the back of his uh, horse racing uh, chariots in uh, in Sambor, the way KD and, uh, you know, probably Devin Booker were, so. for you, And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns you can customize. Things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John invented it. Use PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the P.O.S., it was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War One battleship, broke down all the time, just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point-of-sale system that you can trust, not a real POS like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online, track every sale across your business in one place, know exactly what's in stock, connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media, get great hardware that fits your business, accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase. Easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level. Today, that's shopify.com slash PER. Okay, so, so let, let's get back to the topic. Here, though, I think my worst contract comes with an asterisk because of the entire situation. Okay, but Jakub Pertl, twenty million a year, three plus one.
3: (laughs) I see. I looked at that. I still don't know how I feel about that. Can, Can he play at the end of games or not? Like, that's the whole... If he can play at the end of games, I'm okay with that. I just, I'm just not totally sure that he can.
2: Yeah, that's that's certainly an issue. Uh, he's like a pick-and-roll center. They have nobody who can run a pick-and-roll now.
3: Well, yeah, uh, I mean, you, you have to assume that they're going to, like... You're signing him for a length of time that assumes at some point you will have a real roster uh, for the team, right? Like you're not just going to have like a bunch of six nine guys trying to go one-on-one for the next four years, right? Hopefully, maybe. Yeah. Please. I guess so. Well, I do want to ask you this here quickly. I, I know we
2: uh, were maybe getting away from this, uh, the main topic, but since we're on Toronto, and, and, you know, a part of my reason, by the way, for not liking Purdue was giving up a top six protected pick that really limits your optionality as far as the direction of the franchise.
3: Yeah, that was, that, and, yeah, that that was the worst part. I agree with that.
2: Yeah, and it's not like, they gave up that to give him, you know, at best a market rate contract, maybe even worse on a three plus one. Uh, you know, they kind of didn't help with their tax situation. Another guy who just can't shoot at all uh, on a roster of guys who can't shoot. Uh, but I mean, it seems like they're at least discussing the possibilities of Siakam trades now. And, and if they're really a believer in Scotty Barnes, like I just don't think that Siakam and Barnes fit, they tried this, you know, Ananobi, Siakam, and Barnes all playing together. That just didn't really work out. Out in the end
3: but now they can play McDaniels with them too <laughs>
2: Uh, what is Pascal Siakam worth in a trade? Like let's let's say he's, you know, I mean, he's probably looking for the max. I don't know if he's going to get like quite that much, but you know, certainly he's looking at you know twenty eight percent of the salary cap or something going forward for at least a three year deal, and that's optimistic. Probably to be four. Yeah, uh, he he would probably need to be traded now to be extendable before the deadline, which would be important. I think so, he, he would yeah. be an
3: extended trade to me.
2: Oh, uh, just the two years.
3: That at his age, with the money he's looking for, I don't know. I, I maybe maybe you do the Drew Holiday special. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah, probably. I, I think. Well,
2: yeah. I, I for a number of reasons, I don't think he would be amenable to only a two year extension, particularly because Michael Grange reported that before last season, when all they could offer him was three additional years, he turned that down and was trying to make all NBA, which he actually almost yeah. did. Right. By the way. Right. Like very close. Mm-hmm. And I think Julius Randle beat him out. But so I I mean it's hard for me to like I think he would want 4 years and at his age I think that's a good idea. So but let's say it's the Indiana the Pacers and Hawks are being talked about here, right? Yeah. Uh you know, again, we have the Toronto internal leverages here that you have to overcome to some degree, but I don't know how much internal leverage they have with him in the last year of his deal, him needing to be traded before the season starts, or really in these next couple of months to be extendable before the deadline, which would be important. Yeah. And of course him playing the same position as Scotty Barnes. And they just let Fred Bentley walk out the door for nothing. So, yeah, what's a fair package for Pascal Siakam if you are say the Indiana Pacers, where I would actually love his fit?
3: Yeah, that's a pretty good one. So, I would say the Murray package would be like on the high side.
2: Yeah, the DeJounte Murray.
3: So Well, yeah,
2: I mean, that. so that was basically expiring money coming back, uh, three years of unprotected, two picks, one pick swap, and then a lot of protected Charlotte first. That yeah. was the Murray package.
3: So I think Siakam does not get that. I think he gets you something short of that. Uh, does he get you, if you're Indiana, you know, two lightly protected Pacer firsts and then the first they have in 24 that's probably going to be in the 20s from, uh, from one of these four other teams?
2: Oh, yeah. the The worst of Clippers, Thunder, Houston,
3: and Utah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Which actually might not be bad. It might not be that bad. Like, I don't think it's going to be 30th. Let's put it that way. But it's probably going to be like 21 or something. Yeah,
2: I forgot they had that extra pick to work with. So, they I mean, that's maybe kind of the equivalent of that Charlotte pick. And at least you know that pick is coming, which uh, yeah, maybe you don't uh, with Charlotte. I mean, obviously Toronto's going to want Matherin or they're going to want Jarrett Walker. Yeah, oh, Jaris I Walker, mean... Another, uh, yeah, let, let's just get another 6'9 guy <laughs> in here who's like a questionable shooter and can yeah. defend it as great length, right? Like
3: Yeah, no, yeah, young Canadian shooting guard. Yeah, I think that that would be a, a marketable thing for them.
2: I mean, what if it was basically like just Matherin and and Filler.
3: May, you know, may Tice I, is going. I was going to say, may, may I interest you in Daniel Tice? Um, would be like t- uh, like T.J. McConnell. And, um, yeah,
2: you know, Nie Smith or you know, the, the, uh, they,
3: Nora. They got they got some guys they can throw into deals.
2: Yeah, I mean, probably not. Uh, Buddy Heald, you would think would be part of it. Buddy Heald actually could, could help Toronto. Uh,
3: yeah, I think it has to be one of Heald or Matherin though. I don't, I don't think you can get them both at the same time. Andrew Demhard yeah. Canadian. Mm. They'd probably like him.
2: He he would start for them at point guard, probably <laughs> over overdone shooter. But I mean, yeah. So like, just Matherin. That's I don't know if I, I would do that as as Indiana. I mean, he was the, the number six pick. I mean, what do you think of Ben Matherin? I know you liked him early last year. Then he kind of forgot how to shoot, which seemed to carry over a little to summer league.
3: Well, him him forgetting how to pass and forgetting how to defend, I think, are, are probably more salient issues right now. Um, he's he still. He can really score. He just, he has to figure out the whole picture. I think that's the biggest limitation right now. If it was just, you're saying just Matherin without the picks? Yeah. Oh, I'd do that if I was Indiana. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just think, I just think you have, like, you have your guy already with Halliburton. Now you're like, okay, Halliburton, Siakam, Turner, like, let's go. Like, this thing works.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I do love uh, Siakam. I don't love his fit a lot of places, but I do really like it with with Halliburton and with Miles Turner. I think that could be really interesting.
3: Do you think you could use Siakam as a roller sometimes?
2: Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, or or you run, pick, and roll, get the switch, and then he then he can isolate and you've got great shooting uh, around him. Yeah, no, I, I think that'd be good. So, I, I mean, I, I would be relatively aggressive there there's Indiana, but of course you know uh pascal and his agent are, are in control of this to some degree if he doesn't want to be there but i just don't i don't know how in control they are because if indiana is willing to pay him anywhere close to his that's the other thing is indiana can pay him and like their books are pretty clean going forward so that like having to overpay him isn't as fatal as like it would be with atlanta for example which is just yeah. you know again slated to be like way into the tax and having to cut salary next year
3: yeah, and and Atlanta has like zero willingness to pay the tax, so it's it's a bigger problem for them as opposed to like where you know where it's the Clippers or just well well Bomber doesn't care, he'll just go fifty million over. That's not what the Hawks are doing at all. No, no,
2: no, I, 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 that's that's not true. I thought uh, thought Landry Fields says they have uh, they have authorization
3: to go into the tax. Oh yes, that is that is straight out of the GM playbook. Yes, we yes. You always say you are authorized to go into the tax. We're not afraid of paying the luxury tax here uh, until the hour well, before the deadline. Yeah. When you when you you know send out two draft picks in cash to get money off your books. Well, actually, I did want to ask you about this though, uh, because
2: I mean, you've been in a front office before. Like, what well, Danny and I talked about this, and we're like, maybe there really is like authorization to go into the tax. If the GM is like, yeah, I really want to go into the tax for this team, maybe the owner would uh, would actually agree to it but the expectation is okay if i'm going in the tax we're you know home court advantage team we're making the second third round of the playoffs we're a threat and if you as the gm don't think that you're there that's like on the fast track to getting your ass fired if you push for this and then you're you know you're losing the first round in five that
3: i mean honestly nate that was like pretty similar to the situation we sort of faced um at, uh I guess a couple of years in my in my Memphis tenure where it was like the sort of quasi agreement like this was never like <laughs> written down or anything but the understanding was that there there needed to be some kind of realistic chance at a parade to justify a move into the tax but we, but yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a thing that was completely blocked either it was just okay if we're gonna do this let's you know' Uh,
2: let's, yeah, it's let's basically root. like, hey, it, are, if you're willing to risk your job uh, by going into the tax, and and now you have to deliver, like, yeah, go for it. So, uh, yeah, guess what? I'm not going to go into the tax.
3: Yeah, but, but
1: even you like, can still say I we mean, the, have
3: authorization to do it, right? The, I mean, the the it. one the one year like where we realistically like would have had that authorization, we just didn't we just didn't have the, um, the we just didn't have enough money on our books to get there, basically. Um, yeah, oh yeah, that was. So, Uh, you know, in, in, in 2015, like we, we did the Jeff Green trade, but it was like, um, once, you know, we, there weren't any contracts in that, that we needed to keep, you know what I mean? Like to be like, well, we need this guy. We got to say four million over. It was like, no, we're just, you know, there was, I'm trying to remember there was Austin Rivers in that and somebody else. Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, so, uh, that, but that that is like a, a, a realistic thing uh, in a lot of non-glamour markets. Like Milwaukee's a perfect example, right? Like they, they were never paying the tax until they got awesome. And then it was like, oh yeah, sure, we'll pay the tax now.
2: Yeah. And I will admit that their level of spending has surprised me even even if they've had you know this year's roster has uh, quite a few sort of uh, minimum guys like they, they've gone that way for a, a couple of years but uh,
3: I give them credit too while, while we're on this that they kept spending after they got the ring you know yeah. they, didn't, they didn't they didn't go Marlins on their fans
2: yeah now of course the fact that Giannis Adekupo could push for a trade at any time I mean it's kind of like well is it better business to uh, let this guy go because we didn't pay the tax or look like we're trying every bit that we possibly can yeah um, let me see okay yeah so in terms of worst contract getting back to that uh, I mean I think everyone that Houston signed other than Fred Van Vliet and you know it seems again like a lot of that was because they had 25 million in cap space they were going to use it on Brooke Lopez that didn't work out and then they were kind of like well we got to use it on somebody and. You yeah, uh, they signed Jack Landale, Jeff Green, and I mean that Brooks contract is uh quite pricey. You know, they they blew, gosh, almost forty million dollars. You no know, in the end because of their cap space machinations, maybe a little bit less than that, like thirty seven on Brooks, Landale and Jeff Green.
3: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, actually, it's closer to forty. Yeah, depends on the incentives, I guess. But yeah, we haven't seen what they are. But greens are greens are likely incentives. Mm. So yeah, I mean those are ones. I mean the
2: Landell one, green one, like those are you know, one year deals. Like that's fine. I mean the, the Brooks one though, especially after seeing Amend Thompson for even three quarters. I'm like, man, I don't know if you want Dylan Brooks in front of this guy like for very long. And also, like taking up shots and not being able to shoot at all. Like he, I mean, I maybe he'll help their defensive culture, and I'll have egg on my face there. But I, that was the most shocking, I would say, of the summer that he got that much. Like I was thinking, it would be you know maybe slightly above the mid level.
3: So I thought I, I mean, we this is actually the next item on our list, so we can move into this. I had yeah, down surprising contract, most surprising yeah. contract. I wrote down Dylan Brooks. So the thing that surprised me, I'm with you. I thought he would get like three for 50. Um, I thought in a weird way, the fact Memphis said he wouldn't be back actually might have helped his market a little bit because now every team knew they could, he was gettable. So they, they, you know, put maybe a little more energy into it as opposed to some guys who are just like, yeah, you know, do we really want to go down that road if he's just going to go back to his team? Um, Fourth year for him really shocked me, right? Because you know the old saw is that it's not the money that hurts teams; it's the years a lot of time. Now you can't give like six year deals to Mookie Norris or somebody anymore, so the league is like cut back on some of that a little bit. But going out four years when you're only going out two with Van Vliet and you're only gonna you were only gonna in Plan A, you were only gonna do the same with Brooke Lopez. Like, I just don't know who they were bidding against that was willing to do that fourth year, uh, for, for Dylan. So I, that, that part surprised me. Obviously, they jacked up his contract amount and then did it as descending money once, once plan A fell through on them in free agency. Uh, so, so yeah, the amount is a little shocking too now, but to me, even more than that is just the, the fourth year on him really surprised me.
2: I did actually want to throw a couple more out there, sure, for the uh, for the worst contract, but because that was that was my pick as well, most surprising. I mean, Kyrie, Draymond, Chris Middleton, and Brooke Lopez. And all of those may end up being bad contracts. Now, Middleton has some incentives. He also has the player option. Uh, But, like, I I mean, if you just say, what performance do you expect from these guys? And what are they getting paid? You know, they may end up being some of the worst ones, given their age, given the unreliability, in some cases, injury risk in others. But it's also just, hey, these teams just had to do this, right? I mean, it's not – like I would have given those exact same contracts out if I were those teams. Well, remember too, about, yeah.
3: Middleton yeah. and Green saved their teams tens of millions of dollars just by right. opting out right. and re-signing anything, <laughs> right? Like that that was hugely yeah. valuable just with that, with the Warriors and the Bucks.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because Middleton, his player option was 40. He's going to start probably a little below 30. And Green, his player option was 20, 70 to start at like 22. So yeah, given where those teams were, and particularly where Milwaukee ended up having to go with Brook Lopez, uh, you know, that really kind of saved them in the end. But if you're just talking about like, you know, dollar per win... Those ones may not be great, Uh, and then the Sabonis renegotiation extension—not technically a free agent—but that that was one where I felt like it was just they could have negotiated a little harder there than they did. Totally
3: agree, particularly
2: yeah, particularly given that they like opened up this cap space and really didn't use it at all. Uh, and just, you know, like you said last time, fired the 24th pick into the sun, essentially. Um, yeah. I, I mean, they get some value because then they can maybe re-sign Malik Monk next year and not have so to worry the value. About
3: the the, the value – since we've discussed I, – I, Talk to some people this week. Like they definitely see the saw the real value in that home trade is getting off the money next year, and not this year. Yeah,
2: um, but it would so, But if they just did, if they just waited until next year, it a, might not have cost have as much, to, right? Yeah, they might have. Yeah. They might have been able to get some bonus for less. And B, yeah, they probably could have done it for seconds rather than having to do a uh, uh, first. Um, but they, they obviously weren't, you know, big OMAX Prosper fans. And we'll see how he ends up uh, looking for Dallas uh,
3: best minimum signing. Josh Richardson with Miami. I actually, uh, I thought he was the guy that Denver maybe should have gone after to fill that like Bruce Brown type role. Uh, but I, I think he'll be really good at Miami. I know he's he's lost some juice athletically from the first time he was there, but he still is like a solid defender. He can shoot. He can handle the ball well enough to be a secondary defender, get you into your offense. He has size. Like You could just, he can be on the court with these guys in a playoff game and, and be fine and not hurt them. And they like, one of the things they, I think they were a little short on is just somebody who could come into a game and play 15 minutes and, and be Be fine for them, like in the the regular season and the postseason. They didn't have hero, especially. No, I
2: I think that's that's a pretty good. I mean, I still would go with Eric Gordon, and that's that's a bigger surprise to me. And again, you never know at thirty five. Age thirty five season he could just be done, but I mean that's a guy that you know the Clippers traded for him last year so he could close games. I thought he was he looked still to have enough juice athletically that that wasn't a ridiculous idea, and you know I think in a lot of circumstances he could be in there closing five. So getting a guy like that for a minimum one plus one pretty good. Um, best exception signing. So this would be the mid level, the room exception, the tax mid level, or the BAE.
3: Uh, how about Dante DiVincenzo with the Knicks? I was going to ask what you thought. Four years about. and 50. Yeah, I, I like that deal. I've always been higher on DiVincenzo, I think, than the, uh, than the masses. Uh, I think New York had a real need for a good two. Um, even, even with Grimes, even if Grimes ends up being what they think he can be, I just thought that was a hole in their rotation. Like once Fournier fell off. Uh, that they hadn't really filled and that Josh Hart is really more of a, more of a three. Um, and so I, I, I just thought that worked that, that did, like the fit is really good. The value for money is really good. Uh, again, they went out four years with him, which is, uh, you know, maybe a little risky, but at that, at that money, it's just, it's hard for that money to hurt you in 27, yeah. right? and they didn't even have to go i mean and that'll full be, MLE. That even be that could even
2: be like be like fourth guard money almost by that point
3: yeah exactly exactly and um they you know they still left over enough on their uh nle to uh it looks like they uh have enough to do not right away but an in-season minimum guy like halfway through the year
2: um you know danny made this point and i agree with him that i actually thought there's a little bit of redundancy here with DiVincenzo, grimes Uh, And quickly, you know, just another small guard. I agree with even if you're going to throw Josh Hart, it's going to be exclusively a three or a four, which I think is is what it's going to be. But and and Danny, so Danny didn't really care for it in that respect. But uh, to me, he's just. Hey, you can afford it. Yeah, you're going to be hard cap, but they got plenty of room uh, below the the tax and the apron. Even even with you know some of their weird incentives for RJ Barrett and the like. But I, you know, I don't think that being hard caps is going to prevent them from like making a big deal if they need to do it. And David you know, he's at minimum solid matching salary, or he's insurance in case Emmanuel quickly uh, needs to be traded away in, in this deal because quickly is going to yeah. need a big extension. You know, I think even mike scotto said that you know 20 million a year is being bandied about which seems a little aggressive for him but not that aggressive i i so, think there's a
3: decent chance quickly isn't on the team next year okay
2: yeah or, or even maybe or even could get moved to, at the deadline as well so yeah, yeah. i mean it's just you have this resource available they're probably going to be a tax team going forward but he's movable if need be and so why not just use it to get a good player in particularly because it's a guy that all their villanova dudes uh, have played with uh, and so it, it should be good for chemistry
3: yeah how now how can they get chris jenkins there
2: uh offering him a dollar <laughs> right. I, i'm sorry i don't know what chris jenkins is doing uh so I, I'll throw another one out there, though. Okay. Thought Javon Carter on a two plus one at six million a year was very solid, particularly because you know that's slightly above the tax mid level, but the Bulls weren't going to use the full mid level due to their tax issues and their apparent unwillingness to just stretch Lonzo Ball
3: at this point. I was lukewarm on this, and the reason I was lukewarm is because. The specific role where Javon Carter excels. I mean, you can argue. I, I know. What the, I think I know what the Bulls were thinking here: that we're going to plug him into the Pat Beverly role. Yeah,
2: I, I mean, that's that's what I was thinking too. That's yeah. why I thought it's. I think he's a good fit next to Levine and or DeRozan. Yeah,
3: I just, I, I just wonder if you actually needed somebody who can dribble a little more next to those guys um, that then he's going to be able to to give you. Like I wondered that with Beverly there too. I mean, they got, obviously, they got to a certain point with it, but, you know, there, there's a difference between saying the Bulls were more successful in the second half of last season than the first half than saying, hey, the Bulls were really good the second half of last season. Like that, that part isn't true, right? But they, they were definitely better. Um, so I, I like it to a point, um, but there's, when when you already know that ball isn't going to play one game for you, you're like, who is your best point guardy guy? Like, DeRozan, I guess. Like, I, I don't yeah, know. It's I mean, just- DeRozan
2: and Levine can handle the ball you know caruso can do a little bit of passing i, I suppose or the, they'll run stuff through Vooch at the elbows as well i mean they're not gonna do any fast breaking whatsoever but that's yeah. you know Vooch and DeRozan don't really do that like lonzo they ran when they had lonzo but that's uh that's in the rearview mirror now unfortunately I, I mean i think it's good he shoots 40 percent for three last year over six threes for 36 and he really defends the ball pretty well. He's not quite the bulldog that Beverly is guarding larger players, but he shoots it way, like Beverly had really fallen off as a shooter. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, again, just given the resources at hand, like, I think they got someone who's probably going to close for them a lot of nights for a six million year. And yeah, he's not a perfect player by any means. But I think, like, they needed someone who could both defend the ball and shoot also prevents them from having to overplay ox. Grusso is really probably more of a 25 minute a game guy for them. And he almost like plays the three and the four for them. Yeah, uh, in, in some of these lineups. So I, I think that's, I think he's really good there. Like someone who can defend the ball and shoot there again with how miserable this point guard market was. Like I don't see anyone else they're getting for their six million a year. I was pleasantly surprised. And you, are you not a Gabe Vincent guy? Uh, I
3: I think he's just okay. Like I, I mean, that contract with the Lakers is probably fine, but I, I, have, I have a hard time getting excited about it.
2: Yeah, a mild upgrade on Dennis Schroeder, probably. I mean, I guess it just depends which Gabe Vincent you get. If you get Gabe Vincent from last regular season, like, yeah, he's probably overpaid by a couple million. If you get Gabe Vincent from two years ago or this year's playoffs— now he's probably actually underpaid, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, I mean they they were 100 uh, percent losing Schroeder because they had no bird rights on him. Um, so I, I I get it from that part, and he's you know, I mean they they gained on the year. So like I think Schroeder last postseason actually was still probably a better player than Vincent. Um, but yeah, I just yeah I, I disagree because he just can't shoot. Um, can't I shoot. I just you know he's at his size and his age sometimes the descent is really fast and i would worry about that on anything longer than a year so that that's where i think the lakers really helped themselves biggest boom or bust signing so this is where i wrote down chris middleton with the injuries and with some of you know he last year it didn't always like look real great right so, uh, you just don't totally know what you're getting there. And I think that has pretty huge ramifications for the Bucks. It was cheap enough
2: that I'm not—I like, mean, I thought he—now, he had the surgery. That that was maybe looking—he actually played pretty well offensively in, in the playoffs. Again, a limited sample, but he's efficient, averaged over 20 points. and It you know, looked like the guy that we'd seen previously defensively had fallen off quite a bit. I mean, to me, it's got to be Kyrie Irving. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it it has to be, right? Like, either it'll work or he'll force the second best player in franchise history to push his way out. Like, one or the other, right?
2: Yeah, well, I I mean, I I would argue that a lot of things leading to this to where their only choice was getting Kyrie is would be more responsible than Kyrie himself. But yeah.
3: 100%. Uh,
2: Yeah, and and, I mean, I'm not sure where Dallas is going to end up. They probably have one more trade to make with with Tim Hardaway and and the pick that they can still trade. Yeah. Maybe they can get one. Because they do have, they don't have, like, really any other truly established starters on the team. But I think they do have some outs in that regard. But, and I think... You know, three years that they got out of that at least, and it wasn't the full max. They're able to do some of the stuff used in the mid-level, stay below the hard cap when bring in Grant Williams. Yeah. That's uh, So I I think they did okay there. So, yeah, I I mean, I don't know. It certainly has a lot of bust potential. The boom potential, I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll just be the best offense in the league and they could be slightly adequate defensively. They'll win 50 games and then you don't want to face Luke in a playoff suit.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's that's the big thing, I think, is can they get to a halfway decent playoff seed and then everyone's – it's it's like the Clippers with Kawhi a little bit, where you just look at that and you're like, okay, I, I want nothing to do with that dude in a seven-game series. Most
2: impactful signing for this year only. That changed the fortunes of the team signing the player the most for this
3: year. That's pr- probably where I would go with Fred VanVleet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the Rockets were going to be a pile of ass until they signed him. And now they have a chance to be like a real team. And then on the flip side, it completely changes the trajectory for Toronto, too, with him leaving.
2: Yeah. I, I, in some ways, I think it almost means more for Toronto than it does for Houston. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I love that signing for them, particularly getting that team option. Uh, I, I thought that that really, given the fact that they owe that top four protected pick, I mean, that I, I would have done exactly that what they did i would say uh and he's a guy who i think would be both on and off the floor uh really helped the development of their young guys um yeah i mean i guess we can point to if we were gonna say the biggest long-term signing that matters the most i mean just the mavs keeping kyrie and the bucks keeping their guys and the warriors keeping draymond just because I, i mean i would say maybe the buck's keeping their guys because if they didn't do that then the clock would have started on Giannis immediately the, still the kind Lope, of
3: yeah the Lopez Middleton thing yeah especially with how close they were to losing Lopez I mean that that would could have been a real tipping point in Milwaukee that was avoided so that that's a big long-term one uh probably not the same type of thing uh but the Bain extension to Memphis where you know now he's out there now he's there for Six years. I mean, they got five years, no options because of the new CBA.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
1: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Best under-the-radar signing. We've hit on a few of these so far, but anyone we haven't mentioned. Kata Bates-Diop with Phoenix. Yeah, I'm really fascinated to see how good he's actually going to be. Is he still going to hit shots? I've always thought that he had pretty good size and could be an interesting on-ball defender and just didn't have a place to be on the offensive end. He improved his shooting in San Antonio. So, yeah, is he, is he a guy who could possibly close for them?
3: Yeah, I I, th- yeah. I think he's pretty interesting there as a closer because his, you know, size, switchability or whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's probably people in Phoenix who are like, can he play five? Like, I I, I don't see that, but... <laughs> Uh, but I could see him closing with the other four Max guys. Yeah, maybe it would be a possibility. Uh, and, uh, and
2: now this guy's never been in a rotation for a real team. Like San Antonio was not a real team last year. So yeah. you just, when you haven't done it at that level, but uh, I think, again for the minimum a guy with his size and athleticism and shot it well at least last year you know maybe if he's only a corner three-point shooter guy maybe that's all it ends up being but you gotta feel pretty good there i mean um, with those
3: other guys i mean he's shooting fungos too um, another one i want to talk about Kobe white got a lot better last year and they got him for less than the mid-level on three-year a three-year deal in his like early to mid-20s i thought that Had the potential to be like end up as a really sneaky good deal. Yeah,
2: it's quite possible. Like I think he matured to the point where he was a solid third guard, and that's uh, if that continues. He's going to be a little underpaid, I would say. A um, couple others I can throw out there. I mean, this one has gotten absolutely zero attention, but Trey Jones coming back for, uh, yeah. what, $10 million a year. Uh, only on a two-year deal, interestingly, uh, in San Antonio. Um, O'Shea Brissett, I think, is going to actually have to play a lot in Boston. And given the resources available, I thought that was – he's only 25. He's got pretty good size. He's not a terrible shooter.
3: Yeah, that was. Uh, so, that's, I mean, I think that's a miss, nice minimum. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, and now, I mean, it, you do wonder, like, hey, he was kind of in and out of the rotation on the Pacers the last few years, and they desperately needed anyone with a pulse at the four, so you it, maybe it's just, it's not going to work out, but I, I think it'll be okay. Uh, I'm sure this will be close to your heart, Dennis Smith Jr., minimum in Brooklyn. Uh, Absolutely. It was pointed out to me when I said that, that he had, like, 47% true shooting last year, which is not amazing, <laughs> he was asked he was asked to shoot too much. I thought he actually showed some good pick-and-roll craft, and, and, of course, his defense so it was
3: awesome. All defense uh, caliber last year uh, yeah. um
2: neither of these guys have gotten much attention
3: but what about the two euro guys who signed for the room exception so yeah sasha vizenkov in sacramento vasemich in oklahoma city i've seen both of these guys play overseas i'd say there were there are weaknesses that produce questions but they're 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 being paid as backups right now on multi-year deals and so they're your your downside risk just isn't that great right if you if you do that and it turns out he's he's teodosic or campazo and can't isn't quite good enough like wait what did you what did you really lose you you lost out on the opportunity to pay reggie jackson instead right so um Mijic is well, a well. I mean, I, like you're talking about Mijic now. Well, Mijic's case, yeah. Like he's he yeah. he can really pass. His shooting is questionable. He's like as a finisher, he's um, not great and like not super athletic, Uh but. Everyone craves a quote-unquote real point guard, and he is unquestionably that. Like, he can run your offense, get you into stuff, make the right reads, get the ball where it needs to go. So I'm I'm just interested to see how much of the other stuff Will uh, hold him back from showcasing the passing ability. Vizeng, but,
2: but like, where? What the hell is his role in OKC though? That's, what, I mean, now they just—he's. I think he's got a chance to be worth that contract, but I can't think of another team in the league where he's got less use than Oklahoma City.
3: Yeah, I mean, do they do they have a true backup one right now? I mean, I guess they I could mean, sort they of alternate. Shea. They alternate between Shea and Giddy, right? But. Otherwise, it's like man who I don't even know who's going to be on the team. Ty Ty Washington, who they just got. You know, it's Cason Kay- Wallace, who has really probably more of a two. I don't know. We, you know, we'll see how much on ball he has. In. So it, it Jalen Williams, I guess, would be like their other on ball guy. I, 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 think, yeah. I think there's breathing room for him with the second group. Uh, I Like, when I see the second group on paper, yeah, he's the point guard. Okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess I was kind of thinking they stagger Gideon Shea and then you also have Jalen Williams you know you've always got two of those three guys uh, on the floor and you know, then they still have some of these other guys uh, who are in the mix there as well but yeah I mean I guess there is room for like one more ball handling guard and, and I hope he and maybe they don't really have like a great role man uh, other than maybe Chet uh, but he probably wants to pick and pop a little bit more so yeah I mean I hope he gets ticked like I, I, he's a great passer like I've been I've loved him ever since I saw him at the EuroCamp and, and in the U19s nine years ago Wow, have been hoping he was he's going to come over since then uh yeah and then Vazenkov, you know i think his fit there offensively is really good i mean he's another guy who just can't guard anybody probably you know i think he's an okay team defender but he is
3: under athletic yeah definitely definitely um i actually spent a lot of time on him when i was in memphis um and like he has he's gotten better as a shooter uh, since his, his draft year, cause he was like an okay shooter then, but he needed to be a, a, a knockdown guy. And now he's become a knockdown guy. Uh, had really good feel for the game. Uh, but ability to defend in space, I think is, is a question. He has some like toughness to him. He'll rebound and stuff. He'll stick his nose in, uh, you know, he'll play schemes fine, but d- He'll be hunted without without a doubt, especially early. He'll be hunted and hunted and hunted, and we'll have to prove that he can survive. And then teams will maybe hunt him a little less. Yeah,
1: and you know,
2: then, I think he his, his lateral movement isn't terrible, but he just has like no length to contest shots at all. Correct at, at that, and he's kind of he's kind of a four, really. Like he's an amazing fit offensively with Sabonis with his off ball movement, and an absolutely horrendous fit with him defensively.
3: Yeah, yeah, because you're yeah you're putting him out there when. The there's already no rim protection. So it's, it's, uh, gets, gets pretty shaky on that end. But I think, you know, the whole MO in Sacramento is, is sort of, we're just going to score more points than you do. Who's the best guy still out there to you? Oh, it's got to be Kelly Oubre, right? I, or it's, it's Oubre or Washington, I guess. It's, it's somebody from Charlotte.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, well, see, one of, one of the topics that was making the rounds was whether Oubre will be the first guy to average 20 and get a minimum contract.
3: <laughs> uh, Friend of the show, Hal Neto, is also a free agent still.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I think his best chance for a job was in the Steve Kerr caretaker point guard niche that Corey Joseph filled. So, But he still is a a really good option as a third point guard. Um, I, I mean, a guy that I'm... Really excited about, Uh, and I was last summer league. Didn't see him much this year because he's on a two way, but then he's had a great summer league again. It's Dominic Barlow. Yes. Only 20 years old, coming off a two way. Uh, You know, I mean, the, the Spurs certainly could match but they also have quite a roster crunch. So he, he might be... I mean, I kind of actually like Barlow's fit playing with Victor to some degree, although they have other bigs in, in that mix too. So I wouldn't let him get away as the Spurs, but he might be poachable because it seems like their plan is just to have him back on another two-way, but he is technically a restricted breed.
3: Yeah, but I think... I mean, nobody's going to like break the bank. They're gonna, just going to try to test the Spurs with like three, four million or whatever. I mean, nobody even has cap room to do more than that. Really. I might even go up to five, John. Yeah, well, I mean... If you're the Spurs, you're gonna be like, No, we have to protect Ken Birch's roster spot. We can't match this. Like I I think it's just gonna get matched. Yeah. Uh,
2: there's it does seem like if they're only offering him a two way though, maybe they don't believe in him enough, Because, right? I mean they're like Champagny is the other guy, right? Who, who just uh Yeah, and they already I mean, s- yeah, that's actually a signing you probably love, Honda. Huh, you got him at what is it, three years, uh twelve million?
3: Four years, twelve million, only the Four first years, Only the first year is guaranteed. It's a flat three each year. Uh, so yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was a really good deal. Uh, they probably are trying to, I, I suspect they're trying to negotiate something similar with Barlow and they just, there's no reason for them to go ahead with it right now because they still can use the cap space. Yeah. So I, I think they're just kind of, Dragging their feet on all that.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's just in terms of like under the radar guys. Uh, you know, he, he's probably the one that pops out for me as a young guy who might also actually be might be decent. I mean, there's uh, there's not a ton out there, shall we say. A uh, couple of little trends that I noted. We, we noted at the mm-hmm. outset that there really were not that many awful deals. And there are just a lot of guys I didn't think were going to be minimum players. Like Malik Beasley is one of those guys to me, right? Like it, he was, when he was traded, there was a thought that the Lakers might just pick that option up. Correct And now he's getting The minimum Yeah That's, I, I, like, that that's an like over a Missed opportunity That's an o-
3: over correction Yeah
2: Yeah I mean, and I realize he can't play that well for a playoff team because he kind of fucks up defensively and but he and he didn't shoot that well in the playoffs, but like he gets him up, man like he's especially for some of these teams like you could run plays for him, like for some of these teams that just really lack shooting. I think
3: Oh, I thought it I mean, in particular, like the fit for Milwaukee to have him come in and for what yeah. they needed, like they needed another like real two who could make an open three and open things up for for these other guys. That if you have Giannis and Brooke Lopez behind him, it's like, okay, just could you can you just not be tragic, please? Like that's all we need from you, right? Well, he also
2: provides some insurance if they need to put Grayson Allen in a trade. 100%. 100%. Um, yeah, and I guess the other thing that is interesting is there was a feeling maybe that, oh, well, these teams that the are, are above the first apron, the tax mid-level isn't really that useful. But it seems like players, even if it's just the minimum, even if it's a one plus one at the minimum, they still want to go to places where you have a chance to win. Like that actually really kind of matters. Yeah. And... Like in Eric Gordon, for example, I mean, you would think he had higher offers elsewhere. And no, he ended up in Phoenix. So yeah. there the, and Beasley ending up in, in Milwaukee, for example, or Jay Crowder going for the minimum in Milwaukee. So it doesn't—at least the early indications are that these teams that are really good, even if they are, t- even you know, like someone like Sharich with, with Golden State for the minimum. I mean, that's like it's an okay backup center. Like you could have maybe seen him getting more than that, and maybe that even has kind of depressed the market for some of these other guys too, because it's like, hey, this, this pretty good guy went for the minimum, so now Dennis Smith Junior. You're going to get the minimum here too, but it doesn't seem like at least as of now that it was like you had to go up to eight million for jeff green for him to want to go to houston rather than to be on a good
3: team for example yes
2: yeah, that, and I think we're going to see a lot of guys making those choices in the future with the the minimum salary, uh, the, the team minimum salary, I should say, of kind of forcing these teams to spend. Of like, is it the minimum, or am I going to go for eight million for one year for this team that just has to? Spend? Well, I think
3: it's that. Maybe and teams teams have been smarter about not necessarily just glomming on to, I'm going to use the non-taxpayer MLE and I'm going to give somebody four years and 50 million. And I don't like, if it's not my first choice, I'm going to my second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh choice. You know, I I think there's a lot (laughs) less of that. So I I think that's changed the market a little bit. I I think there's one more deal we need to talk about because I didn't mention it in my most surprising, and I should have, Derek Rose to Memphis 2 years minimum. Yeah, we talked about that last time. I I that wasn't like so shocking to
2: me, but you you just felt like him as a that like caretaker vet type was not how you envisioned him.
3: That and I mean they there was a clear choice they made that they wanted to bring him in, you know, presumably for job basically, and that obviously a defensible move given what's going on the last year but that they chose that over signing anybody on the wing the, the way their roster is set up because they had their they could have used their you know they could have signed divincenzo or kelly Ubre or whoever um and they they didn't i mean they're they still have their entire mle and they're 17 million below the tax
2: yeah, them trading for Josh Christopher when they don't have a roster spot for him was also kinda of interesting. I mean maybe they just had that was just the price of getting the trade exception for sending out Brooks.
3: Yeah, I think that I think that was the idea. That okay. They would have had to, to get an eleven point eight million trade exception, they would have had to send him a second round pick. So instead of sending Houston a second round pick, they just said, okay, we'll eat Josh Christopher's contract for you.
2: Okay, last and perhaps the most important question What was your best meal in Las Vegas?
3: Um, okay, so I think uh, this could be recency bias, uh, but I think I'm gonna go with Other Mama last night. It's so good, man. It right? Really it's fantastic. That, I mean, that fatty tuna was was delightful like i mean i told you guys when i was eating like i felt like i was eating chocolate except it was fish <laughs> it just like had that yeah. quality of just like melting in your mouth
2: well for me too because i've just i mean i was eating such massive quantities every night and every meal i had was amazing but i was feeling like ah you know should i just like skip tonight like i've been eating so much like i'm just not really that hungry and then to go there and like still be wowed by it even given the state that i was in and all the other great food i'd had yeah i mean that's it's one of the best i mean i still as my favorite restaurant in vegas it'll still be Mian, the chinese noodle place in, in chinatown that has this these cold Sichuan noodles that are just like absolute crack but <laughs> Uh, but, you know, that's, like, a $13 uh, cold noodles, you know, for, like, a, a really good place, especially, like, off-strip, kind of off-beaten-path, the beaten path, but still yeah. really good.
3: Um, although, shout-out to uh, Michael Lee, because we, we thought this was, like, our <laughs> discovery. And he, we walk in there, and he's already there, and he's like, oh, yeah, I've been coming here for years. Like, you know, we're, we're like, the dude to... Who listened to Who listened to Stand on the radio and are like, "Oh, hey, REM's really good. We're going to start listening to them." You know, we discovered them.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I can't. I can't take that much credit for fine. It is on like the Las Vegas Eater Thirty Eight list, but I. I was. Uh, I mean, I guess not a ton of our colleagues are like venturing twenty minutes off strip to a place, so we can we can at least give give ourselves a little credit.
3: Yeah, yeah. The the, the fact. I mean any. Anytime you actually manage to leave the strip on a Vegas trip, like that's automatic bonus points right there.
2: Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, it's like, cause it's such a schlep to like get into the casino. Sometimes it's kind of easier to just drive off strip. If you have a car. Uh, All right. That's probably enough here. Uh, John, I will kind of be on the, you know, every couple of weeks plan here. I'm guessing we may at some point take like a full month off as we move on to the summer schedule. I guess our next one will, we'll, we'll have to do a summer league wrap in the next couple of weeks for sure though. Yes. Yes. I, I, I'm I'm very excited to discuss that with you. And uh, Danny and I will be back later this week as well. So check that out. Of course, uh, if you're not getting your emails from Dan Feldman, check out your spam folder there also, because that should be coming out every day. we got our cap sheets, free agent list. If you really want to see who's left and quibble with our assessment of who the best free agents are, uh, feel feel free to do that. that. That's in your daily email as well. So thanks so much for subscribing, and we'll be back soon.
1: At Amica Insurance...